0: back in Galatians chapter 6. Open your Bibles, please. Galatians 6. As I look at it, we probably have three or four more Sundays in Galatians after this one. But we're getting close to the end and he's wrapping things up apostle is wrapping up his message to these churches. Let's, um, Let's pray and we'll read verses 9 and 10 of chapter 6. That's our focus today. Father, thank you for another day in your house with your people. Father, I pray that you would bless our Sunday school. I pray that the catechism class and the children's Classes downstairs would um, bless the children and that the teachers would be zealous for your name. And Father, we pray that as we look into this, um, your inspired word, that you would feed us again and strengthen us that we might walk in a manner worthy of our Savior. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so verses 9 and 10, Um, I had intended to include these last week, but we just didn't get there. We stopped with eight, more or less, so we'll do 9 and 10 today, which say this, and this is the word of the Lord, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So that's our focus. Those simple verses about doing good to others. What are the two great commandments? What is the summary of the law? Yes, it is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. That, that's a summary of, <clears throat> of how we are to live. It's a summary of God's commands to man. And so you shall love the Lord your God, we understand that, and that is, um, you know, the, the outworking of that is the first table of the Ten Commandments, the first four of the Ten Commandments, and then love your neighbor as yourself is the second table of the law, those commandments five through ten. And we we are to love our neighbors. The the Christian faith is not a. The Christian faith is not a monastic faith. The Christian faith is not a contemplative faith. The Christian faith is not a journey inward, so that you can uh, find enlightenment and disconnect from the world. The Christian faith is one where we are engaged in the world with very concrete acts of kindness toward other people. That, that's why Buddhists don't build hospitals, but Christians do, right? Love your neighbor. We want to care for the body. We want to care for the souls. We want to care for others, Calvin says in his commentary on this passage, he says, we are not born to live for ourselves. We are not born to live for ourselves. You are born with obligations. And those obligations, which are wonderful obligations, are to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor. Those two obligations with uh, a lot of overlap between the two, because as we serve image bearers, we're serving God, right? As we love our neighbor, we're loving God. Um, but the difficulty, the difficulty we face in, in doing good is it's wearying. It's very tiring to persevere in doing good. Uh, it's wearying um, because of our sin. It's wearying because of our selfishness. It's wearying because of the constant needs and demands in a fallen world of caring for others. And so we have a tendency to grow weary or as as it says in our translation, let us not lose heart in doing good. Um, <clears throat> and the reason we... Perhaps here's another reason, not just because of the massive quantity of work that needs to be done, but but we... Um, there's a lag time between planting and harvesting. Right? That's what we looked at last time. You reap what you sow. Right? But there's a lag time between planting and harvesting. And... We want to plan and harvest. Plan and harvest, right? As fast as we possibly can. We want to exhort our children to follow the Lord, and we want them to do it right then, fully, without any complications. But that's not how it works. There's a lag time between reaping and harvesting, between sowing and harvesting, sorry. Between sowing and harvesting. Between planting and harvesting. There's that lag time. And so we, we just... We don't want to wait. And it's so fatiguing. Right? When you love your neighbor and they just don't respond to you at all. They rebuff your attempts to love them. You know? And you exhort your, your friends and he just... He just won't, he won't listen. But I think all of us could give examples of where we, we kept sowing and kept sowing and kept sowing, and then finally there was a reaping at the end of it. Years and years of working on somebody. Years of praying for somebody. In this respect, I always think of um, a widow in the church that when I was back in Bloomington, a, a lady named Rita Cuffey, really weird um, academic. Her husband was a, a trained astronomer who studied at Harvard and then taught at IU. And she, so she was a faculty, you know, wife and at Indiana University. And he was just a, he was an atheist, but a nasty one. I mean, just, but he came to church. But nasty, he would ju- he would talk in the middle of people teaching Sunday school, he would talk in the middle of sermons, and he would just be like... And she prayed for him for 50 years, and he came to faith. 50 years. She did not stop praying for him for 50 years. That lag time between, you know, sowing and reaping was was uh, wide in that case, but she persevered. She didn't grow weary. She didn't lose heart because she trusted her Lord. And, and his, um, <clears throat> Dr. Cuffey's whole demeanor changed when he came to faith, as you would expect, right? I mean, he just softened, he softened and was thankful, you know, thankful for the first time in his life and so there's a huge huge lag time but we just we don't want to wait right that's the hard thing it's the very difficult thing about doing well it's the hard thing about counseling it's the hard thing about pastoring it's the hard thing about parenting it's the hard thing about being a professor and uh, it's the hard thing about teaching um, somebody to fix a, an automobile. <laughs> they don't have instantaneous knowledge. They don't have instantaneous maturity. Um, but we can't lose heart because of that. The other, the other uh, thing that hurts <clears throat> is um, we see the wicked prospering and we see those who are genuinely loving their neighbors being punished for their love, right? So the wicked prosper and those who actually do good to their neighbor are, are being persecuted for it, are being punished for doing it. And so the uh, Christians who are, who are sharing the gospel are persecuted for it, but, but the, the pagan who, who is teaching his own worldview is praised for it, Right? prospers and um, this is the perception that is that Asaph contemplates in Psalm 73 and it reads this way and he's grappling with this man the wicked prosper and all those who are doing good seem to just get beaten down and he he says surely God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart and that's like he's He's saying that so that he'll believe it. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace, the garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore, his people return to this place and waters of abundance are drunk by them. They say, how does God know? Is there knowledge with the most high? Behold, these are the wicked and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. For I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. If I said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Right, so the, the, the resolution of seeing the wicked prosper and seeing the righteous be punished for their righteousness is perceiving things that lie ahead for those two groups, right? Perceiving the end of those who are wicked. And when did he perceive that? When he came into the sanctuary of God, when he came into the temple, when he came to worship the one true living God. And so this is one of the reasons we grow weary in doing good. It seems, it seems not only to have no reward, it seems to bring punishment. It seems to bring rejection. It seems to bring uh, pain. And so we don't do well because it, we don't do good because, because it, it, it hurts. Um, because there seems to be punishment attached to it. And then, of course, the reason we don't do persevere in doing good is we go through seasons of selfishness. Seasons of selfishness. That was a very favorable way of me to put that, (laughs) right? Seasons of selfishness. I sound like an evangelical mainstream pastor. <clears throat> we are selfish. We care about our own comfort and our own kingdom and our own household. But it takes a lot of effort for us to care beyond that, right? To, to care for our neighbor. And we forget the command of the Lord and the reward that He promises and so we simply serve ourselves and not others. And, and that's, you know, serving yourself, that's, that's your reward. That's the fullness of your reward. Um, but serving your neighbor, serving others, serving your enemies, um, there's reward that God gives beyond what you receive now. Um We often think that our doing good has no real effect, right? Because that sowing and reaping that that distance between the two. So so when we warn somebody from their sin and they do not immediately become fully sanctified, we throw in the towel with fatigue, right? From fatigue. We just we just throw throw in the towel. How could you not see these very basic, fundamental, you know, Christian doctrines. How could you not possibly see that? And so um, we want to sow a little bit and then have the harvest be this cataclysmic, over-the-top, fully sanctified response. And when it's not, you know, we just get tired. We get tired. Am I going to have to do this again? Am I going to pray? Am I going to have to pray for 50 years for one of my children? Am I going to have to pray for 80 years? Am I going to have to continually talk about the same things to the same people in the church? And Corey's nodding. Yes, you will have to do that <laughs> in the back. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we also, I mean, when when other people try, when other people try to love us, we we also rebuff them too, because love is not always easy to receive, right? Because love in the Christian faith is warning somebody from their sins, and we're like, hmm. They' not have that kind of love. It's not the kind of love I'd like. I would like affirmation. It's just affirmation, right? We need affirmation, but I would just like to have just that. And yet, um, that's, that's not how. That's not our marching orders from the Lord. And so the holy, the, you know, the Holy Spirit is telling us, don't get tired. Don't stop. Just keep going. Just, just continue on and ask Him for strength to do it, right? Ask Him for strength. But some of you are, are again, some of us just don't think about other people, right? We have this, this self protective vortex around us, some of us. And that's who we think about, right? And everybody has to sort of bow to my self-protection and my, my, my own, the way I control my world. And, um, and that, that needs to be repented of. We really must learn how to serve and love other people, how to bind up their wounds, Right, how to bring them food. And and our congregation does well in, in loving one another. We do. Um, there, there's we don't have to when, when a call goes out from the carrying committee for meals, we, we don't have to wait long before those are all filled up and people want to um, want to participate in that way and that's part of that's part of this this love this um, doing good to one another. Um, where it gets harder is, I think, in this, not the physical needs of people, but the spiritual needs of people. Because there is often this huge lag time before we see any fruit or response at all to things that we might say to them. Right? And so we don't have faith for people. We have faith for, for relieving people's bodily aches and pains but we don't have faith for spiritual growth in people and so we try once and then we grow weary right we don't persevere for 50 years in that work Um, but we have to have faith for people we have to have faith for people's sins your faith has to be stronger than the sins that you're trying to combat in somebody else you have to persevere. You have to have faith in God in the, that in the fact that the timing is God's, right? He says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. In due time. Right? Not in your time, or not soon necessarily, or not in a hundred years, right? In God's time, in due time, in the time that he sets for it, your work will will accomplish what you have uh, purposed in it. And so we have to have faith that the timing is God's. So be faithful and persistent. Be faithful and persistent. Um, you You will, in due time, you will reap if, again, you don't grow weary. If, again, you don't um, throw in the towel. If you just lack faith for people and their growth. If If you write them off. And we all do this, right? We make one attempt to minister to somebody. And when they rebuff our attempts, not only do we not love them, but we hate them. What a fool. What a fool to reject my perfect counsel how could that fool have rejected my perfectly expressed love and we just go from hot to cold and cold to hot and we we and here's the here's the test case for many of us our children our children our children grow up, and they no longer obey without being given a reason. They no longer obey without having a, a, a philosophical conversation about, um, uh, you know, the, the philosopher's question is, is why? <laughs> and that's also the child's question, why? Why should, why should I honor my father and my mother? But they grow up and they no longer obey without a reason. They want to know why and they, they have a will that is active. They have a will that is active and, and that's good, right? Our children are not us, right? Our children are not us. They are individual souls. And, um, and we as parents grow weary exhorting our children over the years concerning the same sins and same lack of character. We grow weary. And then what do we do when we grow weary? We check out. We just check out. Or we get angry. Or we get so depressed that we feel impotent that we can't do anything. And we just stew, and we stew in our own anxiety. Right? Right? Parents, right? Not getting many nods of the head. Okay, (laughs) all right. So be it. Um, And when we help, and we're committed to them, and we're praying for them, and we're talking to them, and and not only are we not reaping, but they're rejecting what we're saying. We, we get quickly discouraged. We grow weary. We think that our doing good has no real effect. We want to sow and reap in the same day, so when we warn them from their sin and they do not immediately become mature, we get depressed. And Honestly, we know from our own lives that in many cases our children will not learn until we let them fail and get hurt and make a mess of things. And that's our way of loving them. (laughs) Oh, man. And it's incredibly difficult to allow that to happen. But we grow weary, and we're tempted simply just to distance ourselves from them. We grow weary, and we're tempted to throw in the towel. We grow weary and and just say, look, I commend you to the Lord. And we stop seeking their improvement. We just forsake them. We stop seeking their improvement. And it's very hard to persevere. It's more, this, more so than anywhere else in my life, my children have the ability to discourage me and hurt me. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people in the church, the people in the church can, can wound me and hurt me, but it doesn't even come close to how my children can hurt me. don't you feel sorry for me now my children are back there like hanging there my children are rolling their eyes at me (laughs) they don't understand it yet they will when they have their own children lord willing lord willing right there will but but in this on that front that this doing good even in your own household with your own children it is hard to persevere. It is hard to, uh, to not let personal offense creep in and go into your own self-preservation mode, even in your own home. How many fathers do we know who have done this? Your father may have done this to you. You rebuffed his correction and eventually he stopped and he just started protecting himself. And then all he did was just buy you gifts. And, and long for your love. But he stopped improving you. Right? He, stopped, he stopped exhorting you. He went into self-preservation mode. And we must never go into self-preservation mode as Christians. Because that is to grow weary in doing good. That is to just... That's not to trust God that... that, that Sowing will lead to any reaping, right? You have to keep going. Why shouldn't we give in? Because of the promise of the second half of the verse. In due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. We will reap in due time. When do you not reap? When you don't sow. When you don't sow, you don't reap. Right? You got you to plant. The farmer's got to go out and plant the crop. And if he doesn't, when harvest time rolls around, he's going to harvest a big old bag of nothing. Nothing. That's what he's going to have for it. He will not reap. Right? And so, in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary so god promises that he will bring a harvest if we don't throw in the towel but he promises it in due time and that's where that's where we get frustrated i think i think that's where the tension lies for me it's like i want instantaneous harvest and i mean that's not how it happens Sometimes, rarely, sometimes there does seem to be like an immediate harvest, right? Somebody's ripe for the gospel. Somebody's done all the wearying work and you come along at the right time and you give them the gospel and they're like, I love Jesus. And you're like, yes. It's like instant reaping. And they, you know, they they then enter the church and they become like uh, a pillar in the church. And you're like, wow, okay, that was some serious but the, the calling we, in general, are to have is God will give us the reward in due time, that we are to wait on, the, wait on the Lord, that we need to think generationally, not hourly. Think generationally, right? Not minutely, as we are usually given to, and persevere in doing good, Um. have faith. Right? Faith is to keep on doing what is right and good despite response. That's faith, right? Keeping on keep going. Right? It doesn't mean we don't pivot and try different different methods. It doesn't mean that we don't try different strategies, but the fundamental thing we need to do is to keep going, okay? Um, in personal disciplines, think of personal disciplines you have. Well, I hope you have, right? Praying, 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 praying. How often do you pray and you're like, haven't seen the Lord respond to that prayer? Well, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, right? Right? Um, you, you, you read the Word, and it doesn't seem to have any impact on your life. Well, keep reading the Word. In due time, you'll reap, right? Keep reading it, keep reading it, keep reading it. And six months later, there'll be one half of one verse that just blows your mind and completely reorients your whole life. But if you had thrown in the towel, you wouldn't reap that. You, would just, you, you wouldn't have gotten there, right? Right? And so, give that 20 minutes of every day to reading the Word and praying. And then in due time, you will reap. It's 20 minutes, right? It's shorter than the last video, the influencer you give a lot of time to dropped. And it's Almighty God. And it's sharp and active and more powerful than you can imagine the Word of God, okay? And so give that 20 minutes to it, and you may languish in it. It may be three years before God gives you the sort of reward that you wanted on day one. But just keep sowing. Verse 10, so then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Who are we to do good to? Who are we to serve? Who are we to care for? Who are we to do good to? Who? All All people, it says. All people. All people. Those who believe and those who do not believe. Right? All people. While we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. And in the Greek, a direct translation of that Greek is all people. There's no way around it. To everyone. Do good to everyone. Do good to the transgender guy who works at Chick fil A with you. You know, and then we have to figure out what doing good means. But if he has bodily need, if he has some emergency, you should be the one to help him. And you know his soul's in danger, and you should be the one to tell him about faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe not just mock him. Calvin says now, when he says unto all men, it is to teach us that although we may be so disgusted by others that we do not want to do them good, we must. Nevertheless, show kindness because God commands it. You know, that's exactly why I read Calvin. Calvin's like, he just, he doesn't give us a pass. He's like, he knows human nature. And so when he says, yeah, you have to serve even those that disgust you. Finally, somebody's talking about reality, right? We, dis- we despise and find people disgusting. Can we admit that? There are people we refuse to serve because we find them disgusting. And he says, well... Nevertheless, God has commanded you to show kindness to that person and to serve them. Oh, man. And then there's this priority, though. There's a hierarchy. There's a a preference that we're supposed to show to believers. There's a priority. The Holy Spirit says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So even though we're called to love and serve all people, we're especially to be focused on our brothers and sisters in the church. You know, the deacons have a have a flow sheet. If they get requests and it comes from a member, that's top priority. If there's a need, the deacons serve the church first. And then if there's a vague connection to the church, like a a. A family member of somebody who's a member of our church, but you know, then they would get the next tier. And then those who just come in off the streets who don't profess any faith are sort of at the bottom. They're still on the list, but they're at the bottom. They're, they're not gonna get first priority, right, in, in having their needs met. And of course, our deacons, when anybody makes a request, from outside of the church, we invite them to a worship service, and that calls out 999 of a thousand. They don't, they will not do it. They want the money, right? So we invite them to a service, and then take them and talk to them about their needs, and then share the gospel with them, because that's their primary need, right? But no one ever shows up, <laughs> amazing. And so, um, you know, so they're willing to do this. They're willing to serve everybody, but there's a priority that goes to the members of our church, right? They will get the most care and love and and help from uh, the church as it should be. We should have a deep affection for those in our household And we should have affection for all. Calvin says, although a person who helps his neighbor loses whatever he has given, he is in fact laying up treasure, like the one who sows upon the soil in order to reap a crop in due season. Right? you lose what you give up, but you're laying up treasure. You're laying up a reward. Someday you will reap that reward in the presence of the Lord. And so what are the things we're supposed to give up to do good? Um, Money is one. Possessions is another. But time is the most difficult. Time. Right? So give money's the easiest to part with for some possessions are easy to part with for some time is hard it seems for all of us to part with right we're 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 germanic we're, we we set our order for the day at the top of the day and and we want it to fall out directly in order on the checklist, and if anything interrupts, it's an interruption. It's not God breaking in to give us this opportunity. It's an interruption to our system. You know? That's me. That's me. Man, oh man. But what does the Scripture here say? So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people while we have opportunity, right? We should, that should be like, um, that should be what we put at the top of our to-do lists, right? And and we should say, interruptible due to any opportunities the Lord brings along, (laughs) right? Right? The phone call, the 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 ministry, the um, the question, the my car's broken down. Can you help me? I thought of you first. Why? Why did you think of me? <laughs> I don't have a truck. <laughs> uh, if you if you own a truck in the church, you you know you know and especially a box truck you know you will have opportunity All right so don't grow weary don't grow weary it is funny how though we think we lack opportunity isn't it like what i don't like we're like i don't really have a ministry i don't you know i don't know where i and And God's giving you all these opportunities. He's laying them at your feet. And we don't see them, but we think we lack opportunity. And then here's the other thing. You have to act while you have opportunity because you will not always have opportunity. You've got to strike while the iron's hot, right? If you don't, you will lose that opportunity. Then you will lose the opportunity to sow. Then you won't reap. Then you won't receive the treasure in heaven, right? And so while that opportunity is there before you, rather than seeing it as a burden, see it as, well, this is in a sense selfish. See it as there's reward at the end of this work. There's actual reward from God who doesn't give, you know, tiny little gifts. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Right? So we will not always have the opportunity and here's another reason you may not always have an opportunity. Wealth comes and goes. Strength of body and mind comes and goes. Right? And closeness to others comes and goes. Life is short. Life is short. And this is what your life should consist of. Remember what Calvin said at the beginning, right? <clears throat> we are not born to live for ourselves. It's not why God brought you into this world. He didn't, he didn't bring you into this world so that you could serve your pleasures. He brought you into this world to serve others and to love Him. Okay? So life is short, wealth comes and goes, strength of body and mind comes and goes, closeness to others comes and goes, opportunities come and go, and we don't want to miss those opportunities because there's a reaping of rewards. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. There's reward. Can we? Is it selfish of us to have a sense that we're storing treasures in heaven? Even though Jesus tells us to have that sort of mindset. It is not selfish. It honors God. He wants uh, he wants to dispense that treasure, but that treasure comes through this commitment of doing <clears throat> good to others. All right. That's all I have. Any questions? Comments? Helpful distinctions you want to make? Yeah. You keep referring to Calvin. Yeah, obviously. I I know who he was, but you keep referring to reading from yeah. Calvin. What are you reading from? Right. He he has a commentary on the book of Galatians. That's what as does luther and it's good too but calvin's a little more unbelievably calvin's a little more down to earth than luther which is saying a lot cuz <laughs> luther's earthy you know but calvin is just is, actually it's not, it's not a commentary it's sermons on galatians sorry it's sermons on Galatians. He also has a commentary, but I've been reading from the sermons. And uh, I like the sermons better than the commentary. But, um, well, let this sink in, you know, let this convict us that this is, this, is our, this is our life is to do good to all people and to especially those of this, of this church of, uh, and believers beyond this church. So let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to not throw in the towel and become weary in doing good, but that you would bless us with perseverance, bless us with a a taste for the, the reaping of a reward. And Father, may we trust you and wait upon you. And we not demand that the harvest come in the minute we sow. But give us faith. Faith for this work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.